Hey, I'm Pauline, and this is a Journey to Fulfillment podcast. Learn from awesome people who have gone through personal transformations so you can be inspired to grow, create, and live a truly fulfilling life. Hey, I've got Raymond Coe here today. Very excited to be talking to you. How are you doing? Doing great. You've got a really interesting background, so we want to definitely go into all of your juicy story today and find out more about you. But I'd like to always start off with, Raymond, if you can introduce yourself to the audience and what do you do? I am a freedive instructor and I create content around freediving as well. And I live in Taiwan right now. Wow. Okay. Awesome. How are things in Taiwan? Taiwan's Great. It, we came out of a lockdown period. I think a lot of countries in Asia around May or through the summer had mm-hmm. had a deal with Delta. Mm-hmm. Um, but we managed in about three months get to near zero infections or single digit uh, infections per day. And now we're, yeah, we're at like one or zero every day. So um, it was a, yeah, things are all right here. Things are open. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Dif- different story when we're in Australia over here. Nothing's open, but we're, we're getting there. We're on the journey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, do I know that you're, you said you're in Taiwan. Um, so how did you sort of like get there? Because you seem like you've been around the world as well. So, yeah, t- fill us in on your journey. Well, I, I started out, so I've lived most of my adult life in Asia, I, I went to Shanghai to learn Chinese after I graduated from uni. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I bounced between Hong Kong and Taiwan or Taipei right. um, working in finance. I was a trader for about 20 years. Wow. Okay. And yeah, so like about, let's see, 11, I, I've spent all about 11 years before moving back here in three different stints with um, different banks and mm-hmm. Uh, last year I decided to move back with my wife, uh, back to here to teach freediving, not work in a finance job anymore, because this is actually where I learned to freedive first. I took my first two courses, um, in Taiwan, and then I went to Indonesia to get my, um, instructor certification. Mm -hmm. Then I went back to Vegas with a plan of staying there for about two months, which is where my parents live. And I had to go there for a wedding and then we were about to go to Mexico, then Europe to free dive, and then everything shut down. So we kind of reformulated our plans to move back to Taiwan um, because mm-hmm. it was relatively COVID-free. I think last year they had a span of 180 days without any COVID infection. So, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, in terms of your, because um, I noticed you've got a you've got like an American accent there. Uh, yeah, where's that come from? I was born and raised in the U.S. and yeah, spent my first 22, 23 years of life oh, in the U.S. Yes, yeah, so I still can't get that American accent out of me, can I? It's strong, but I, I love it. <laughs> I, I love like um, the American accent, and you know, some people say they like the Americans like the the Aussie accent as well, and it's just it's just interesting. We're just like okay. w- what's different for ourselves in terms of the finance. So let's go back to that. So has finance been something that you, you know, you've always sort of wanted to do since you were young or how did you get into that? So when I got out of, when I, once I finished my program learning Mandarin in Shanghai and moved to Hong Kong and I had to figure out what I wanted to do and I didn't know, uh-huh. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I was just like, all right, what, what makes the most money? And oh, we'll go to investment banking or financing. And so I managed to get a job doing that. And then I just got into it. (laughs) Then I started doing like, not that I'm like super smart or anything, but you know, if you, if you worked hard and you don't cause too much trouble and you're kind of good with people, you can be kind of successful at that time. And it Mm -hmm. was like the boom days of finance in Asia or the stock markets in Asia. And so I did, I did pretty well. Um, it was hard to get away from the money. (laughs) <laughs> mm. does it does it take um because you said you like you got a job in in it um and from because I'm you know from finance as well um is there does it take um some kind of education or so to get your foot through the door in that sort of sector at the time there was a lot of uh people from the UK they like even some of my 
bosses and colleagues, they didn't even graduate. They didn't even go to university, barely even graduated. I think whatever they call high school in the UK. So in my, not necessarily, not necessarily, but obviously it does help. Mm -hmm. But uh, it gets, gets yourself through the door, I guess sometimes. Right. Mm, Yeah. Okay. So when you got into finance, then how was that experience for you? Um, it's quite nice because I, I got very successful in, in like two years within two years of, of taking the job, I was already making six figures. Wow. Okay. And this is like back in the late nineties and, and it just continued for like 10 years of, of every year making more and more money. Yeah. And that just sort of became my, my identity. And being in the in the job or the position I was in, I think it, it isn't it's not the most conducive to the the healthiest lifestyle, mentally or physically, right? So, mm, what do you mean um, by that? Uh, there's, I was chained. I was literally chained to the desk for most of the day because I was I was a trader, mm-hmm. and you know the markets don't shut when you have to go to the bank or go to the gym to go work out, right? So. Um, literally chained to the desk the whole day and or most of the day anyways, and a lot of drinking involved, a lot of drinking involved in mm-hmm. where those was colleagues. And, and that just seemed to be the normal thing to do. Um, and I got caught up in it. I like to drink, you know? Yeah. So Is it like a Wolf of Wall Street situation when you're a trader. It's I could I could see so I watched the movie and someone asked me, Is it really like that? I'm like, I could see how it could be like that. That that it's uh-huh. not. I could see how it's not, it's not, he's not lying. He's not, Yeah. it, that stuff happens. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So how was this sort of environment of being chained to your desk? Um, and then the, with the drinking and that kind of culture, um, was it something that I guess, you know, cause you were in it for a very long time. Um, was it like sort of, a, just a short stint of that particular environment or like, did you move around or what happened there? It's, so I was in finance for about 20 years in total. And, and you know, the dream or the, the end goal is to make so much money that you can retire in your twenties. Right. And so mm. you kind of put your wants or desires or fulfillment need for fulfillment. You know, you delay it till when you're in forties, so it's like, Oh, retire with millions of dollars, then I could figure out something else to do that's fulfilling in life. And yeah, I guess I was on the way to that. And it was just, and then you don't mind, you kind of put up with stuff like not sleeping well, uh, drinking until two in the morning, and then waking up three or four hours later, hung over, go to work, um, drink a lot of coffee to get yourself going. And then um, you get, you kind of go through that cycle and then you, you do burn out eventually. And, and even, yeah, that kind of like, carries over to the rest of life, even when you want or it carries over to other companies that you go to, even though it wasn't as much a part of the culture, I kind of brought the drinking to other areas, I guess. Mm-hmm. And just, well, I don't know how to put it. I just drank a lot and it became a habit. How did you cope? Like in terms of, cause you said high burnout, right? Like it sounds like, you know, with, if you're not sleeping enough and you're drinking and you're going to work on repeat as well, and the markets yeah. don't shut. Um, how do you cope? I mean, you know, within two years, you got up to the six-figure mark. Um, how long until you felt like, you know, something had to change? It was about, I think, about 2015 or 2016 when I started to really feel unwell. And so at that point, I've been working 17 years in the industry, um, nearly 20 years mm-hmm. of, of a really sort of hard lifestyle. Um and I recently wrapped up an eight-year divorce <laughs> um, in custody battle, which also was very, very hard emotionally. And drinking through that as well kind of helped me cope, I guess you could say. Not the healthiest way of doing it, but that's what I knew how to do in terms of coping against adverse situations. Then I started feeling unwell in 2015, 2016. Um, I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Um, I think I had adrenal fatigue. Um, found I had a gluten. I kind of had a gluten allergy, 
and or chronic fatigue, either way, whatever labels you put on it, I felt like crap. I felt terrible. I didn't sleep well. I woke up in pain every day. Every day became like um, pain management. And, you know, I had, and leading up to that, I had really bad headaches for a long time. And I was taking, I think, some powerful medication for that. Yeah, it's just, I, I had to change something and, and I started trying to clean up my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it was not enough. It's just uh, the grind of going to work and coming, like I would come back from work and just lay in bed for a few hours. I just couldn't even mm-hmm. move. Um, the, like, my, I, I couldn't even work out because if I worked out, the next day I'd feel awful awful like my entire like you know like if you haven't exercised for like a year then you work out really hard yeah um and then the next day you feel like awful that was like me every time i worked out so like i couldn't work out i couldn't do the sports i love which is brazilian jiu-jitsu um and then yeah i just i was just laying in bed this wait so this is this was happening um once you knew you had the condition or like is this part of the condition and the consequences or was this like even before um, I think it's a slow build up to it probably. And then, um, I mean, I had, I, before that, even before that, I wasn't feeling well. Yeah. Right. When and then you were, did you not feel well when you were in like still in that finance career in that path or was it like sort of afterwards in your transition? Well, during that, during that time when I was in finance and I had, I was going through my custody, um, and, and divorce stuff. I was, I had a terrible anxiety. I had panic attacks. There was a period that I went through depression and I was taking um, SSRIs or antidepressant, you know, antidepressant pills. So emotionally I, or mentally, I wasn't that well. I was not well at all. Um, I got better, uh, obviously not drinking a lot, living a healthier lifestyle, but it wasn't 100% gone. I remember uh, in 2017, uh, during a, I got laid off by my company and I was in Chiang Mai and I, was, I had terrible anxiety and panic attacks during that time. Mm. And I was taking um, benzodiazepines for that. Um, so yeah, I was a wreck. I was a wreck physically and mentally for many, many, many years. Um, mm. It was yeah. like, yeah. So the, this whole sort of build up sort of, ended up sort of over time, you were like feeling the pain and the unwellness. Yes. For years, waking up was painful. I mean, yeah. imagine going to sleep, pain, uh, sleep is supposed to be restorative. Right. And I would wake up and I would just lie. If it wasn't, if I didn't have to go to work, I would lie there for two or three hours. Cause I, I just couldn't muster the energy to get out of bed unless I had something compelling to do, like go to work so I could mm. get paid. So yeah. What was, that's what why, was the pivotal moment for you? Like when you were like, yep, yeah, something has to change. Do you remember that moment? Well, feeling like, so I, when I had the fibromyalgia diagnosis and I was feeling like not very well, I started cleaning up my lifestyle. I found out taking gluten out made me feel better, uh, eating better, um, not like junk food and stuff like that, not drinking so much. Um, and that kind, I mean, it helped, but it didn't make me better, right? But when I started, so I took my first free dive course about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea why I did that because usually I put stuff off. Like my first instructor, he's like, oh, uh, in two weeks, um, I have a course. And I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> usually I'd be like, ah, I just wait. Let's see what happens. I don't know why I'm that way, but for this for this course, I'm like, boom, done money sent. And during that course, it's, it's physically hard if you're not in shape and I wasn't in great shape, but I was tired at the end of the day, but it just invigorated me. It was amazing. Mm. I wasn't tired. I wasn't like, I didn't feel the pain. I didn't feel that pain waking up. I didn't feel like, um, like the terrible tired kind. There's like a good tired, you know what I mean? Yeah, and there's like a bad tire. I felt the good tire. I re- like 
I felt awakened. I felt alive for the first time in a very, very long time. And so when he told me like a month or two later, Hey, I'm doing a level two course. I'm like, boom, sign me up. Let's go. Yeah. Yep. And that let, let's, um, let's hold up because that um, we're going to get into that. And I want to know all <laughs> about the, the free diving and all the benefits of it very soon. Um, there is just one pressing thing that I, I think that would be really valuable and, um, on your story, when you were talking about, like, you know, you had gone, you made the money, um, you had that successful career, and then went through that divorce. There's one thing um, in that where you said, like, initially, when you went into finance, you were there, like, you were wanting the money, and it was, and you made money very quickly. I wonder about um, what, in terms of like the fulfillment side of things, um, how did how did, I guess, that mindset shift for you in terms of, you know, getting money, getting successful very quickly, and then sort of changing, like, how did that chase for money change? Yeah, really, it, you know, in retrospect, now that I've um, lived in the life that I am now, that I feel like I was living somebody else's life. Right. I don't think I don't regret the things that happened because it, it's made me to the person that I'm happy with now. But you kind of put aside what you want. You never think about what you want. You're just on this path, and that is, that was created for you. And mm. yeah, like I went to, you know, I went to did everything that ever my parents expected of me. I went to a good university, I got a good job. Um, but I never thought ahead about what am I going to do because it was always about, oh, in 20 years, I'm going to retire and then I'm going to live my life, right? Mm. Little did I know that 20 years later, I would have no money because of my divorce. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, but mm. um, it, so uh, was it... Was it the divorce that sort of um, uh, changed that ideal of like, you know, that money is that shiny object money is that thing that will give you the fulfillment or like, what was it for you that sort of changed to, I think you mentioned about you're living a life with less and everything else. What was it that changed? Moving to a small Island. I think uh, when I went to, I, I went to Indonesia in this little tiny Island called Gilear and it, it's, you can walk around it in, a, in an hour and a half. There's about a thousand people living there. Wow. And it's an absolutely beautiful island. There are no cars. There's no motorcycles. There's no scooters. Just bicycle, horses, and walking is how you get around. There isn't Amazon. There isn't uh, you know any online shopping you could get there. So it sounds there isn't any. Remote. Yeah. People aren't worried about their... Uh, buying the newest iPhone or the the newest AirPods or playing PS5 or buying these nice shoes. Everyone wore the same damn clothes almost every day and like sandals. And that's about it. Mm. There were about creative things, right? Like, I don't know, dancing or making art and stuff like that. So, and I, I realized when I, even if you go through a city and you're not buying stuff, you're still being presented with it and you're making that unconscious choice not to buy it and that sort of wears down on you and when you're in an environment where there isn't anything to buy then you start realizing that you're released from this materialism and this want like i have way less than i ever did in my peak or even even a couple of years ago what did you have in your peak fill us in on what what did you actually you know buy for yourself or that you consumed because people would be really interested people want all sorts of things like watches um you know we had a nice car it wasn't like a sports car but it was like a brand new volvo suv Mm. um ferragamo shoes i liked a lot (laughs) that's pretty you know my ex-wife liked her chanel and and gucci and and louis vuitton so and then flying and yeah. Always flying somewhere different and staying in nice hotels. It was a comfortable, it sounds very like luxurious and comfortable sort of lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, champagne. I love champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the verve or whatever the, the I moe? Love, <laughs> I love, uh, I love rosé verve. Yeah. So good. Did you move to the remote island? 
before, a year ago. Did you scope it out? Like before you decided to sort of leave this life that you had before? Three weeks of getting laid off, I was on that island to take my certification course for free diving. So yeah. the life of luxury was this before the divorce? Or- yeah, yeah, and it's and I realized it's sort of you're not happy, so you need this. It's kind of like keeping up with the Joneses, and part of it is also the dopamine hit of you know dissatisfied with life in general, um, and you just think you needed these things to be happy, and it's but. I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I have like almost nothing. Mm, Yeah. So much contrast, isn't it? When you, you know, when you go to the other side in terms of, you know, like, can you fill us in on, because I know for a lot of people that would be the dream. They want the Ferragamo shoes, the, you know, the yacht or the car and the house and the wife and all of these things. It's very, I guess I can see it can be very difficult to leave that all behind. Like when you've, you know, invested a lot of money and time into all of these consumerism, all these materials, how did that change? Like, how did you end up shifting or letting go of that side of things? Well, it wasn't, I can understand if I had to make that choice of just leaving my job and doing this, that would have been a very, very difficult choice, but I was laid off. Same company laid off two times in two years. And oh, so you got hired back. You, you went back and then again, yeah. they laid off. Yeah. Like, and that was like six months into the, into the second stint. Oh, and I realized, okay. you know, when I went to Indonesia, my idea was just like, look, I'll get in this free diving thing and it'll be like a side hustle, right? I'm going to go back in the business and, I could do this on the weekends, right? Very healthy. You know, at least I could still do it twice a week and it'd be very invigorating. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I was always putting feelers out there to see if anybody was hiring. And, you know, when you're 40 plus plus years, nearly 50, this is a young man's job. And the the structure of the, yeah, it's more algorithms or more AI is doing the trading. Mm, they have okay. less of a need for me. And so- there's less and less jobs out there and they're not paying as much. Um, yeah. So they're, they're really hiring juniors. They don't need someone like me. <laughs> they don't need an old man on a trading desk. So yeah. I realized I had to pivot. And so I putting a lot into this, um, into this free diving, creating content. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting into digital marketing as well. So I'm using my free diving business to experiment with, uh, with some of my, you know, digital marketing skills. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I am, you know, starting to take clients in terms of web design or SEO work and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. But, uh, but I could see how hard it was. It's a decision to make to go from, especially, yeah. yeah. But I tell you, like, when you're working, you think you need a lot more money than you think than when you're not working. When you're working, you're like, okay, so you're used to paying, you know, let's say, $300 for this ticket, right? When I go on a weekend trip, let's say. I, and then when you don't work, you're like, wow, if I could choose the least, the peak time, um, then it's only cost $150, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. And when you're working and you go on a weekend trip, you're like, oh, I need that five-star hotel. I'm just, you know, I'm only going away for the weekend. I want to be super comfortable. You're like, I don't need to spend $300 a night on a hotel room. What? You know, like a $50 room is fine, you know? So would you say that because when you're like safe and secure, you know, you got your paycheck coming through and obviously because of limited time and maybe options as well, would you end up sort of spending more because of having to or just sort of choosing to because you feel like it should be a reward? I think I was spending more because I think I I need that reward because I was just, Mm. I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't happy. I needed, I needed something, right? And even yeah. just like, I don't know if this is related, but just let's take food, for example. And, you know, I'm used to having, being living in a big city. I, I got my Japanese, oh, should I have Korean? I'm going to have Indian. Um, fancy champagne. Or Mexican, fancy champagne. You have all these choices, right? You know, before I used to think if I didn't have those choices, life would be solely unhappy. But now I live on this small island and we almost eat the same thing every day and it's not like you know sushi and 
champagne. It's pretty basic stuff, but it's it's good fresh ingredients that's healthy for us. You know, we have like vegetables that's grown on the island. We get fresh fish um, that's just caught, that's healthy, high omega-3s and stuff like that. Mm, sounds very organic. <laughs> rice or or rice noodles and pretty basic yeah. stuff, but we're I'm super content. I'm super yeah. content with what we're eating. I'm not having Mexican one day and Indian the next or anything, but yeah. uh, that's okay. I'm very, very content with what we have and very yeah, okay. happy. So it's like when you do have the life of luxury or of the luxury of choice and there is an abundance of choices, um, then the tendency from what I gather is that you end up wanting to get as many things as you can or like have that smorgasbord rather than, but you don't actually really need that. Yeah. I think I'm realizing it's, it's, am I just getting dopamine hits every time and I'm just having a withdrawal or am I just super unhappy that I need those, those hits um, of like variety to get me through life. Mm. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I, I've truly tasted happiness, I think, and contentment and fulfillment uh, for really the first time in my life, you know, I have a wonderful wife. I have, I'm living in this small apartment that I'm thankful for on a beautiful island. And I, I make money, you know, introducing a wonderful life, potentially life-changing activity to people. Mm. So um, financially, it, it's not great right now, but, you know, I got some plans, got some plans. So yeah, I think like uh, when you, um, you know, when you are in that kind of situation, you end up sort of figuring out things along the way. So um, I want to go back to that journey for you to get introduced to, I guess, being a freediving instructor, uh, in- instructor and um, making that move to Indonesia. Um, what, what were the things that led you to make that kind of decision? I thought it was just, a, you know, it'd be a good side hustle while I had this main job. Yeah, um, but did, it was you, something- did someone introduce it to you or how did you get that idea? Because it's like, whoa, it's very different from finance. Well, having, after my second course, and I was like, Phew, I, it was like confirmation. I love this. I love the way it makes me feel. I am happy. I feel reinvigorated. Um, I got energy that I didn't have before, right? And I'm like, I have to, I have to somehow make this a big part of my life. And I could either be a competitor, which I'm like 46 at the time, like I'm not going to be a professional athlete, right? So it's like, otherwise, the, pro- the other progression is to become a freedive instructor, and then if I just do it on the weekends, I can make a decent income. Side income, Wait, but how did you get into the courses? Like, um, because you know you would have had to got some kind of some kind of reference uh, to get introduced. So, I've always loved the ocean. I remember okay. being very little and going to the beach. You know, we didn't live near it, but whenever we went to the beach, um, I would just roll around the waves. Mm-hmm. But I never found my place in the ocean. I've done fishing i've done scuba i tried surfing i've done all wakeboarding all these sports in it nothing really nothing really made me feel like i did when i went free diving and what well so going back i uh i didn't even know free diving was a thing you could learn there's this movie (laughs) There's a movie called The Big Blue, which came out, I think, in 1987 or 89. Anyways, the late 80s. And it was about a freediving competition. It was based on a story between these two rivals in freediving back then. And so that was my first introduction introduction to freediving. Then I was in 2017, after the first time I was laid off, I was up for a job in Singapore. And I was just Googling what's there to do in Singapore. And I was like, wow, there's freediving courses in Singapore. Free diving is a thing you can learn. So that, that was in the back of my mind. Didn't get the job in Singapore. But eventually, um, when I came back to Taiwan and when I was hired by the company the second time, you know, immediately I looked up, learned free diving in Taiwan and started doing some research. Mm. So that's how I came on to free diving. Oh, wow. Okay. And now I'm just spread so it to the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought that they would have free diving in Singapore? You think like such a built up you know, big city, very financial district sort of thing. Um, there's, yeah. free diving, 
there's free diving in Hong Kong. There's free diving in Singapore. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of places you wouldn't suspect. Even in, like in Vegas, there's free diving in Lake Mead, which is about half an hour from Las Vegas. Right. Um, there's sink there's sinkholes in Australia that you can free dive in. Okay. Um, Billsby, does that sound right? Mm. So yeah, Billsby okay. Sinkhole. So there's quite and uh, you know quite a few around in terms of big cities and and countries and everything. And there's also a very good Australian freediver named Adam Stern. Adam He's Stern. He's a top, yeah, top freediver in Australia. Okay, great. So, yeah, so then you went on the journey. You went um, over to Indonesia. Did So this is after your second course. You decided that you wanted to be, um, to learn, was it the freediving instructor, to be yes. a freediving instructor? Yes. I, You know, like, what's my thought process? I have no idea. It's just something that was... A, very strongly pulling me into being a freedive instructor. I can't explain it. I don't even know if I really consciously made the decision. It was just like, all right, I'm going to be like, when the news came that potentially next, like say next week, we're going to be laid off because the rumors were coming out. Then I was like, ah, I know what I'm going to do. You mean, and then like when, when it happened, it's like, okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to pack up. And now I got to research where I'm going to do my freedive instructor course. Mm. So, I'm not sure if a conscious decision was ever made. It just happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's like your life just sort of went that way because of, I guess, the pivotal of, you know, being laid off and not having that that option anymore sort of led you into the next thing. Yeah. I don't want to be all hippie about it, but it was just a really strong force that just pulled me into it. It's uh, that's, that's, that's the best yeah, way I can describe it. it, I think. Yeah. Indonesia happened. What was sort of your... um like biggest learnings or like, you know, when you got into the instructing side of things, how was that experience for you? Very rewarding. Yeah. Seeing the joy on people's faces when they, I could teach them to hold their breath for a minute or two minutes. Right. When they're like, oh, I can't, I can't even hold my breath for 30 seconds. <laughs> and then like they do two minutes. It's like, wow, that's awesome. And then when they do, when I first time I bring them out in the ocean they go diving, and to see the joy on their face, this happiness that like very similar to the one I have quite often when I dive down and see, just enjoy the beauty of the ocean. Because like when you're nice and relaxed, it just feels like the ocean is giving us a great big hug and it just feels so good. I can't explain what is going mm-hmm. on in my head or in my body, but it's, it's like a drug. Quite frankly, it's, it's, it's really like a drug. I feel so good after diving. Would you say that it's like a dopamine hit? Kind of like when you're buying things, but much better. Or like yeah, much more natural. Yeah. Much more natural. But but it's um, one of the most in, very influential book that I read maybe a, a couple of years before I started freediving is a book called The Blue Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's a marine biologist. And he wrote a book about how living um, being near the ocean or waters uh, is good for your mental and physical health. And some of the things that happen when you're in the water or in the ocean is that your cortisol levels decrease. Um, the stress hormone of cortisol, your brain waves uh, start going towards the state of more relaxation, i.e., like alpha or theta mm-hmm. brain waves, right? Yeah. And it's it's really like my meditation. You're totally present and mindful at what you're doing. You're not thinking about what happened in the past. You're not thinking about what's happening in the future. It's like hyper focus, you know, being present. Um, mm-hmm. And what they say about scuba versus freediving, scuba you do to go look outside freediving you do it to look within yeah because you're like in you're in the ocean not like and yeah so i remember um you know indonesia sometimes i would wake up with a lot of pain from my fibromyalgia and i knew i was just i just needed to get on the boat because once i was in the ocean all that pain just went away like this big like opiate or something right mm. the pain just went away and it was amazing i'd be the first one off the boat just because i wanted to feel that that um yeah that calmness that just takes away um the pain give people an idea of the magnitude of pain that you you were in 
you know, when you were feeling all of that within your body? I don't know how to just, it's like you have a cold all the time. You know that when you, before you come down with a cold, your body starts aching or like kind of like a bad hangover. It was like that all the time. Oh, geez. It, it was be terrible in the morning, but it kind of just dissipates, you know, through the day. And then towards the evening, as I start getting more tired, it sort of ramps up. And, and is there a, um, I guess, any causes as to like how does someone develop this kind of condition or is it just aging or yeah. How does it come about? Well, I think it was for my hep B vaccine. Um, after my second dose, I started feeling terrible and my doctor suggested I not take my third dose of hepatitis B, uh, Mm. vaccine. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was it. I I was already not doing so great, but that sort of tipped tipped me over that. Yeah. That tipped it over. But, um, it's also some people believe it's an autoimmune deficiency. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, whatever I, (laughs) yeah, but obviously, yeah, it's, it's happened. Can it ever be cured or is it something that can just like that has to just be maintained in terms of pain relief? It seems like something that has to be managed, but it's uh, this year is the best I felt physically and mentally in a very, very, very long time. And I think, you know, I did a lot of, I, you know, I'm, I don't know if you know about the whole biohacking thing. Um, I am on the journey. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I listen, well, my son has autism. Like he got diagnosed in 2006 and, you know, a lot of people believe that it was a, it's a biomedical issue and that they get treated biomedically. And, and there was a lot of stuff wrong with them that we treated from more of a functional health perspective. Um, like detoxifying his body was, you know, he was in awful shape in terms of his gut health and, and the amount of metals he had in his body and, and stuff. So I knew a lot about that. And so when the biohacking thing came out, it really resonated with me and for myself. And mm-hmm. so I would try a lot of those things, bulletproof coffee and grass fed uh, steak and stuff like that. And so I did a lot of, I did a lot of biohacking and I finally hit um, sort of my spot, my, uh, what do you call it? Like a uh, utopia or yeah, my, the combination that I need. So I think a lot of people, it's not like Western medicine where one thing works for everybody. You just got to experiment uh, with different things and, and find what works for you. But mm. I think one of the things that for this year anyways was really fixing my sleep. And yeah, like, like I tape my mouth shut when I sleep because I used to have sleep apnea or I had mm. sleep apnea. So mm. I tape my mouth shut. So I breathe through my nose and I started sleeping a lot better from that. I have like this, this meditation app that I use that helped really helped me sleep through the night. And then sunlight is so good. Like when I wake up in the morning, I go for like a half an hour walk with my shirt off mm-hmm. just so I can maximize the sun. And that was one of the biggest, biggest um, things that I did. That's absolutely free. That really helped my sleep. So yeah. now I, I I'm sleeping the best I ever have since for like 30 years. That's awesome. Yeah, there's so much power and so much um, benefits from biohacking and just, you know, being able to supercharge our bodies through these natural resources um, that are free, uh, but but not, I guess, readily, uh, you know, known according to, I guess, compared to Big Pharma and all the yeah. sort of other East. Um, yeah. And Western earthing types. is free as well. Like when you live yeah. near the, uh, when if I can't get in the ocean, I'll at least go for a short walk on the beach and dig my feet into the the wet sand and and discharge all those what do they call it I don't know. Mm. <laughs> so the sleep the sleep side of things um look this could be a very you know important things for a lot of people. I mean for me I knew when I was going through a very stressful time of striving in the corporate space um I didn't get a lot of sleep and I was quite burnt out as well. Um but uh, the sleep journey that you've been on, I guess, what what's has been like, you know, you've tried a lot of things. Um, what have you found most beneficial or helpful in your journey? For sleep? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started with uh, taping my mouth when I sleep. So I breathe through my nose. 
and uh, this meditation app that I listen to regularly, that worked like immediately. It was like I started listening to it when I was having jet lag, and it man- it really helped my sleep. And after I started using that, so then um, the walks just transformed. Like that took a huge um, improvement in sleep after that. The walk in the, with the sun, the sun. Yeah. The walk with the sun was amazing. And yeah, I mean, the last bit is I started taking molecular hydrogen and that has helped. Yeah. I, I, I was already feeling pretty good when I, until I started taking molecular hydrogen. Then after that, my, my energy level, my stamina got way better way way better and i feel like um yeah i take it's like an effervescent pill that you drop into like some water and then you drink it after it's it's all fizzed out but that is oh my god what is that for is that for um is it meant for sleep or any or just like energy in general or it's very specific it is a antioxidant and an anti-inflammatory ah okay yeah very helpful for anyone who's quite inflamed or if you've got like say high yes. cortisol you could be quite inflamed in your body yes and there you go after that i feel like my i you know i used to i mean all the pharmaceuticals i used to take antidepressant benzodiazepines um and i used to also do uh exogenous testosterone mm. And so I could feel like when I, I know what it feels like to have more and I feel like the combination of the sunlight and taking the, um, um, molecular hydrogen has really drived it up. Mm, cool. Very awesome. So anyone has sleep, you can have some of these tips that Raymond suggested. Yeah. Try it out. I think everything is more about like, you know, trying it and, and seeing what works best. Yeah. But what works for me may not work for you. So yeah. it's, it's like, don't, don't get discouraged. Just find what works, you know, just do your research, uh, find what works for other people and try it on yourself. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. So the free diving side of things, I want to hear more about it. Like water, water is almost like a, it's a biohack in itself because I've heard, you know, there's certain like negative ions that helps to sort of recharge your body and heal it as well. But yeah, but you would know more about it. Like talk us through what you've learned about water. Oh, because I'm I'm also like I I've I listen on po- there's a podcast that just talk about hydration, <laughs> but yeah, like I said before, being in water actually, you know, you're, you're earthing, you're lowering your cortisol levels, you're upregulation of some I don't know how to put it, but it, the neurochemicals, mm. the good neurochemicals, right, that you would need, or balancing them out anyways, and so. uh yeah, it brings your brain waves to a more relaxed state. So it's very, very relaxing. It's good for my skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's salt, there's salt and minerals and you know, yeah. things within that. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking like, you know, obviously magnesium is one of the important supplements to take because a lot not a lot of people have it. So I was mm. I, I've been trying to research if I'm getting the magnesium from the ocean transdermally, and I haven't really come up with a definitive answer, but um also being in the ocean and feeling weightless take you know gravity hurts i guess <laughs> sometimes mm. and to be able to float you know having an hour or two couple times a week feels very um refreshing i yeah. guess you could say you don't need to i don't need to pay like you know hundred dollars to go spend 90 minutes in a float tank <laughs> what's your point of view on the sedentary lifestyle coming from someone who you know spent two decades pretty much in chained to the office or like you said, chained to your desk. Yeah. What's the difference? Like what's your viewpoint and what do you find is different from then till now in terms of that lifestyle? Well, I certainly feel like it was making me older. I was getting um, pain in my neck and shoulders that I always, I always had to get massages to sort of undo the damage from sitting like at a same desk for 10 to 12 hours a day. Right. Mm. Uh, very, and I, I hardly even, I don't even get massages anymore. Really. Mm. I don't have this pain. In, like I had, you know, pain in my neck and shoulders all the time. And I, so that's number one. I really felt like sitting in the desk all day long, just making me older. I didn't, 
Yeah, because there's no movement. There's no like sort of energy. Yeah. Though, hey. Yeah. No. So now I'm even even a lot of times I'm behind my computer for ten hours a day, and I still have at least I can get up and walk around. Or it's like, all oh, right, I've worked five hours. I'm a little bit tired. Let's let's go down the beach and and have a little bit of a swim, right? Mm. Or go for a walk. And and being in nature, it really makes a big difference. What about for your eyes? I'm just thinking 10 to 12 hours a day, just with all the screens, you know, how many screens were you working with and did that sort of affect your sleep and everything? The, yeah. The max I had was like eight. I had oh. a, literally a wall of, of, of monitors in front of me, yeah. not to mention like the, the, the radiation, the EMF and, and all that stuff. So I, I recently, was in quarantine in May or June. I was in quarantine in June for two weeks. And it got to the point where my eyes were not even, they were getting really bad. And I was getting really scared. That's like, do I have glaucoma or something? But I realized it was just, I needed to look outside. I, didn't, I had to make it a point because for several days, I was just looking at a computer screen all day mm. in quarantine because there's literally nothing else to do. So I had a window, so I made a point to go look outside for several minutes at a time sometimes. And so, yeah, I I do not want to go back to that lifestyle. Yeah. So I guess for anyone who's living or having that sedentary lifestyle to just have a break every now and again or move around, because a lot of people, maybe they, like yourself back then, they don't have that sort of, it's something that you have to, make a choice about that you're going to get up and move. Otherwise you can get sucked into the work and, you know, all the things that, all the simulation that's going on. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I wasn't that bad because I think I have undiagnosed ADHD, so I can never sit still. So I would actually get up a lot because I can't sit still. So I don't think I'm that as bad as other people, but uh, I'm also conscious of other things of like how I sit and, making sure that nothing's in my pockets and mm-hmm. and moving my spine out of whack. Because, like, you do it for, like, one or two days, it's all right. But if you have, like, a wall in your back pocket for 20 years, yeah. you're going to you're gonna move some things that shouldn't be moved. Yeah, yeah. Um, so into the, I guess, the free diving side of things, what are you sort of working on these days? Um. Right now, I have a podcast called Total Beginner Freediving Podcast. I know it's kind of a boring name, but it does convey what it's about. (laughs) It's for total beginners. There's a lot of – the internet's wonderful, and there's a lot of content out there for freedivers, but they're not not a lot for people who who know nothing about it. So I wanted to fill the gap in terms of content between, oh, I didn't know – free diving was a thing that you could learn to actually taking a course. So it explains why you need to take a course, um, how to choose a course, how to choose your equipment, some basic concepts, but I don't want to teach free diving online because it's not one of, I love learning online, but learning, this is definitely something you need about in the water, learning from a, a professionally trained instructor because free diving, it's, it's got a bad, bad rap as being dangerous some mm. stat I saw that it's it's the second most dangerous sport in the world oh, okay. with base jumping, base jumping being the most dangerous. But would you go base jumping without taking a lesson? Hell no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the predominantly is the people who are untrained in freediving who are dying from freediving. Right. Okay. So if you don't know what you're doing in free, if you don't know what you are doing and you're freediving, it's super dangerous. But if you do know what you're doing, it can be relatively safe. Even in 2019, you had a the representative for Australia in snowboarding. He died um, freediving or spearfishing, but he was alone. Hmm. And that's like the first rule of freediving is to not never dive alone. And right. so unfortunately, he perhaps uh, fell unconscious in, you know, while he was spearfishing and there was nobody there to save him. Yeah. And unfortunately yeah. he passed away. So mm. very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's quite a bit of like skilling involved. 
Absolutely. Before yeah. You, yeah, you go into it. There's obviously equipment. You've got to have certain preparations before you go in. Generally, how much would it cost someone to get started or just to be able to get all the all the gear if they're actually considering to get into it? Well, I've looked around around the world and generally your first level free dive course would cost about US dollars 300 to 500. And I've I've priced this like in the Philippines and Thailand and Indonesia, Hong Kong, Taiwan, US. And it's about yeah, 300 to 500 US dollars. Now, if you're getting into it for first level course, I wouldn't recommend buying any equipment. Um, for my first course, I didn't. I rent. I I got it all from my instructor, and then after that, I just I started buying some equipment. Once I realized I absolutely love this, but beginner free dive equipment could cost you about four to five hundred US dollars. No, I mean that's more intermediate. That's worth this is intermediate. You know, okay. bare. So yeah, lower than that. If you went for the super cheap. Cheapest of everything, you probably can go like two, three hundred US dollars. Yeah. But but you can also go on there's a lot of free diving or spear fishing Facebook groups, like in every region. Uh, I even started one in Las Vegas, and you can go out there and, and look for used equipment. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And do people have to, I mean, when you're doing the free diving, you have to go quite far into the ocean, or are they like, you know? Not necessarily. In somewhere like Panglao, Philippines, a 50 meter um, swim, or I heard, or even less than that, you can get to very good depth. In Taiwan, for beginner course, we'd swim out about 150 to 200 meters. And there's also, when I was on Gilier, uh, yeah, we took boats out to mm. dive. Yeah. What's been like your most amazing um, experience or the thing, you know, what have you seen in the ocean or something that's really you know, being impactful for you? I, I get asked that a lot, but I haven't seen anything super interesting, really. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, th- I mean, I saw like a, a mula mula, a baby mula mula once. Do you know what that is? No. What it's like it? those, it's like those big round sunfishes, but I saw like okay. a little baby one. And like, it's, they're really hard to, not hard, but hard to find. Right. And so I, I saw one. I saw a swordfish kind of jump out, maybe like 50 meters away from me. Um, that's about it. Nothing too yeah. exciting. Oh, yeah. in Shaolichio, the island that I live on and teach from, there's like 800 sea turtles. Wow. That and would be so cool. almost like 90% of the people who come in the island and go in the water, they will see it. They will see a te- They will see a sea turtle. Yeah. Wow. That would be amazing. The remote, um, the remote island living, the lifestyle, um, how is how is that for you? Is it something that you you know you see yourself doing long term, or fill us into that sort of lifestyle for anyone considering to do, make that kind of move for themselves? Well, the reason I I'm, I'm not like out in the middle of nowhere in the in the in the Pacific Ocean. We are like a 20 minute boat ride to the main island here, and also in Gilier, we were all similar 15 minutes to the main to Lombok Island. And so it's not like super remote, but it's like just far enough to have some remoteness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's a typhoon, they actually shut the ferries for like uh, a day or two. So we can't get on or off the island. Yeah. So, that would be a bit scary though, is it? Like if you're on the island, then you don't have the access as well. They shut it off. But, you know, I, you know, I'm pretty good at fasting. So if I don't eat for a week, I'm okay. I just need okay. water. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Water is life. Yeah, so I have some reserve water um, here, so it's all right. Mm, I'll be yeah. I'll be fine. The um, one of the things um, that I'm really curious about is the fulfillment side of you um, for you. Um, what does what does fulfillment or how do you do fulfillment nowadays compared to the past? Well, the past, I mean, I didn't have any fulfillment other than having children and and trying to raise them as the best father I could. And that was where my fulfillment came from. But I needed elsewhere, right? And I wasn't getting it from my job. Um, you know, I was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and that was giving me a lot of fulfillment of getting better at that and and forming some great relationships at my gym there. 
but I couldn't do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu anymore because of my fibromyalgia. I would go in for one day and I couldn't even felt in total pain the next day. So I, I just, there isn't even like, I just, it's just a feeling. I'm like, wow, this is what fulfillment and contentment feels like. It's amazing. Like I have no material wealth. You know, no, no, nothing luxurious, nothing luxurious in my life. I live a very simple life. I don't eat fancy food. You know, we have wine or whiskey once in a while. <laughs> so a no, more of the, no more verb. <laughs> no more verb. Yeah, I don't think I don't, can't remember the last time I my lips touched champagne, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. I, I don't mind it. Hmm. I really, I really prefer this life that I'm living right now, and so I'm very content. I'm very happy. Uh, for the first time in decades, I think I'm truly, truly happy. Um, and, and it's, it's living, living simply, uh, living close to nature. It's, it's doing work that's, um, helping other people. It's, it's finding internal peace with life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to sound cheesy, but that's how it is. (laughs) Beautiful definition. I don't even have to ask you that question because um, you think you've already answered it. So now come to sort of the last, the last question, because the first one you've answered already, but the last question is I just imagine that now, obviously you've conquered the first 40 something years of your life and the career and the money, and you've gone through all that journey. Now you're on this, you know, free diving and, you're the free diving nomad, as you say, um, now, and you're imp- imagine like you're, you're impacting lots of lives, and you know, like a lot of more people are becoming more fulfilled because of you. And you know, you've raised your children, happy wife, and all of that. But it becomes, you know, your last day on earth, and you've accomplished everything that you've wanted to do. What would be the message that you want to send to the world or give to someone else? Wow. So many things. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think about what would I tell my daughter? Yeah, what would you want to tell your daughter? Got to live your life. Don't don't live your life for anybody else, right? Um Yeah, live. Don't don't do things because you think you should do. Do things because you want to, right? You know, now realizing, you know, with coming into the wiser years, right? That a lot of things we're doing is just because of social construct, or because whether it's our uh, culture or society or our parents telling us we have to do, like, gotta go get a good job. You got to get married. You got to have children. These are all things that were invented to sort of keep you. I don't know. You don't have to do those things. You know, if it's live your life, don't live somebody else's life. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Raymond, for being on the show. Um, it's been such a pleasure and it's been very insightful as well um, in terms of your journey. Um, if anyone wants to find out more about what you do um, or if they want to find out more about, you know, getting into a, a course, uh, where is the best place that they can connect with you? Well, I'm Freedive Nomad, like everywhere, freedivenomad.com, uh, Freedive Nomad on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Freedive underscore nomad at TikTok, but uh, but my courses in Taiwan are freedivenomadtaiwan.com. Yeah, and uh, you've got a podcast as well, don't you? To to educate people yep. as well. It's called Total Beginner Freedive Podcast, found yep. on most podcasting platforms. Awesome. Yeah, well, I'll drop all your links in the show note. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great. Cool. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is out. 
Also rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends because just one insight could change someone's life for better. Now go out there and make an impact and I will catch you in the next episode.